It's July 11th. We're reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great time of year because we get to read through the Psalms thoughtfully and prayerfully. We have three Psalms today, Psalms 4, 5, and 6. And in Psalm 4, it's a cry for God to answer, help. I need you. I'm going to trust you in times of trouble. I mean, how uh, applicable this is for us in so many uh, times and points in our lives when we need to cry out to God with a kind of sincerity and a depth of, of, of earnestness that we see in this psalm. We get that great line in this psalm about being angry and not sinning, quoted in the New Testament. And uh, anger, by the way, half the time it's mentioned in the Bible, it's attributed to God himself. So we know that anger is not a sinful emotion or a sinful quality. It is for us an emotion. Uh, the idea of being angry is just dangerous because we do so many things in anger, unfortunately, that aren't right. Um, it's so... Um, volatile. It creates such volatility in our lives. So in this text, to not be uh, sinning in our anger is the key. And of course, Paul picks up on that in the book of Ephesians and drives home the point in very specific ways. But for us in this context is being angry because of the stress and the, the de-stress that we're in, the, the kinds of difficulties we experience. And here he is trusting God for an answer. And sure enough, by the end of the psalm, we have the expression of joy here. Chapter five, very familiar psalm. Hear my voice. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to see you leading my life and caring for my life. I have such a confidence you in you. The psalmist speaks uh, in terms of um, just such an expectation of God's provision. Chapter 6, or Psalm 6, the discipline of God in the life of the psalmist. And he says, as David writes, just don't, you know, I, I don't want to be overcome with this. Don't take my life. He pleads for God for mercy. And that's a great uh, pattern even for us in the midst of our struggles with God's discipline. And according to Hebrews 12, we're all going to undergo discipline in the Christian life. And this is a good expression of that, a firsthand expression. We get the didactic sections of scripture like Hebrews 12, where we learn the structure of what God does, the, the, the parameters of what it is for God to treat us as sons and discipline us. But here we see in Psalm 6, the great um, personal first person expression of kind of how we go through the feelings of the midst of that uh, or in the midst of that kind of thing in our lives. Our New Testament reading is the second half of Acts 16. In Acts 16, we have the release of Paul and Silas from prison. We have them in prison, and then we have them get out of prison. They've been beaten, uh, they're wounded, and God uses an earthquake here as the means to open the doors and have them get out. The Philippian jailer, you might remember, is uh, concerned that he's going to lose his life over the fact that he's lost the prisoners from his custody. And so just before he kills himself, uh, Paul stops that and uh, he preaches the gospel to him and he is saved. And the Bible talks about him and his household. Now remember, we would deny everything else in scripture if we thought that someone could be saved by proxy through someone, other, someone else's faith. So this is clearly a command that went out to the Philippian jailer uh, that was uh, applicable, not just to him because of the special circumstance of his contact with the apostle, but it was true for his whole family. It was true for his entire uh, colony. It was true for all of the world. And uh, so he says, you and your household, of course, they are saved. They're baptized, him and his household, which of course is not a reference to, to infant baptism. We don't know how old they were, but we know that no one responds rightly to the gospel and is qualified for the uh, baptism that expresses our repentance and shows our uh, unity with Christ unless you're conscious and, uh, and, and able to discern the issues of the gospel. So now we're just dealing with the universality of the gospel and how it is applied and how baptism is even administered to those um, 
who hear it and respond rightly to it. So this is a great section of Acts. And uh, at the very end, we see Paul insisting on a public release as they go to the Philippian jailer's house and they're ministered to there. Uh, we get the um, magistrates coming and realizing Paul and Silas are Roman citizens and they're embarrassed. They're afraid of what might happen because they've been imprisoned unjustly and without a trial. The uh, Roman citizens of Paul and Silas and Paul demands that uh, they not be sent away secretly, but they reckon with the problem of what they have done, the injustice of what they've done. And so sure enough, they come and apologize and release Paul and Silas. Our community imperative for today is found in Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 17, when it says in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And that's great because the work in the context, if you look back up at verses 15 and 16, is the way that he has dealt with the people of Rome. He talks about being a minister of Christ and writing them by the favor and, and, and opportunity and the position he has in Christ, the grace given to him by God. And he says it's like a priestless, priestly service of the gospel uh, of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified in the Holy Spirit. That's a mouthful and a lot of theology there, but the point is that his work for others is seen as an act of service to God. And I think that's so important for us. I put it this way, our community imperative is to serve each other as service to God. And that changes so many things about how we try to serve and help and minister and counsel and encourage one another when we think about this as Christ being the ultimate recipient of our service. So I want you to serve and to care and to do all the things that we do to sacrifice for one another. But today I want you to think very carefully about doing that as an act of service, like a priest would before God. They're taking the sacrifice of someone in Israel, but they are uh, administering that on behalf of that family, but they're doing it as an act of worship to God. And that's a helpful thing. Serve each other as service to God today. And we'll be back tomorrow as we continue reading through the Bible. Mm -hmm.